Hello, my friends. Welcome to podcast number 16. Uh, Dr. Fred Bishy was just here, and uh, we had a cool little uh, catching up. Uh, we, I wanted to start the podcast off with uh, the idea that we'd be speaking about athletics, which we eventually got to, but uh, we just started riffing and talking about all sorts of things, and it was a lot of fun. I think you guys are going to like it. Uh, so um, we're going to jump right into that. First, a uh, few little things, a little bit of business to take care of. If you like this podcast, you want to support this podcast, you can grab an ebook on fermentation. Uh, it's an awesome book. It's on the website, everydaydetox.org. Pick up a copy. You'll be fermenting vegetables at home in no time, and, uh, and your belly will thank you for it. And um, the new space, the new space um, that we are very, very close to having a location for, uh, in central New York City. That's all I'll say right now. Um, there's some lease negotiations going on. So hopefully we have a space within two days of me saying this right now. Uh, we will have a finished signed lease. And um, the new space is called Vitality. We will be doing, of course, we will be doing colonic therapy because that is what we do. And uh, we will also be doing cryotherapy, which is fucking incredible. Cryotherapy is... Uh, it's a cold treatment, and uh, it has profound, profound, profound effects on the physiology. I absolutely love it. Um, I love the way it affects my mood. I love the way it affects my body. I store a lot of tension because I'm stressed about things like starting this new space, and I'll hold a lot of tension in my body. And uh, getting inside of the cryo chamber for three minutes can help flush all of that inflammation out of my body, make me feel amazing. So I love it for many, many reasons, physical, mental, and uh, it's very, very cool. So we will be offering those therapies, and we will also be doing dyad meditations and some really amazing, amazing things. Uh, so to find out when that space is opening, uh, I have not set up the website for Vitality yet. So to find out when that space is opening, you can go to everydaydetox.org and sign up for that newsletter because I heard a rumor that someone is going to be sending a newsletter sometime soon. And when we open the space, I'll definitely be sending a newsletter. Uh, good news is I've not junked up your inbox with stupid MLM things. I've not congested and constipated your inbox with all sorts of silly little news blips and health tips and nonsense that you don't want. Uh, but I am going to tell you when epic, epic stuff occurs, like the opening of the new space and... Um, when podcasts air, that's all going to happen at some point, too. You'll be notified of those things. Uh, but in the meantime, get on over there. Pick up an ebook while you're over there. Sign up for the, for the newsletter and, uh, and find out when all of our stuff's going on. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast with Dr. Bishy. Natalia Maldonado's on the next podcast. So uh, let's jump right in. So welcome back to another podcast. Uh, I, it's been over a year since you've been on. You were on a, you were podcast number one, the mm -hmm. first one we launched with you. Uh, I'm happy to have you back. I probably have about four dozen emails from people that had questions for you, all of whom I have to apologize to because I did not access any of those emails before I had you over today. So I guess we're not going to get to those questions on this one. So well, my I, fault. Thank you very much, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. I always look forward to this one now. You and I are having some kind of a discussion, so thanks for inviting me, and uh, I know we're going to do a great job, and let's see what we can do to help people that are out there listening. Yeah, I want to talk about athletics today, but I've known you for 22 years. 
Yeah. You realize that? 22 years now. I was 19 years old when I walked into your office. Yeah, time flies. And I don't know if you remember the question I asked you. I asked you how the, uh, you, were t- you were talking to me about, uh, of, you know, tissue cleansing and, and, uh, and changing my body chemistry and all these things that I had come in. I had questions for you. Mm-hmm. And um, for the listeners that don't know, when I was 19 years old, I went on a vegan diet. I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking. I did everything in like five minutes. And I went through a tremendous cleansing, uh, right. cleansing response. So I went to see Dr. Bishy. I walked into his office. And one of the questions I had for you was um, you kept talking about the biological cleansing. Pro- well, I, you talked about the biological healing process, which was a new term to me. I just, you know, it, it's, it makes a lot of sense now. But 19 years old, I don't know what you were talking about. And, uh, and you were saying you don't want to interrupt the biological healing process. Yeah. And I kept saying, I think one of the, the, the first question I had is how does beer affect the biological healing process? And you kind of like smirked at me and gave me this look. And I didn't know. I, it was a serious question. I didn't uh, know. Because, yeah. you know, in my world paradigm and my view of everything, it was like, I was like, well, do I really have to stop drinking? I was like, what if I just do it sometimes? You know, you know that I, you know how like some people have this idea that like if they do something just every now and again or something, it doesn't affect mm-hmm. them at all. That's where my, that's where my line of thought was. So. Well, sometimes we, ha- we all have a preconception of uh, how certain things work, you know, like I've often heard about people say, uh, you know, a lot of people that are into the Bible, they say, uh, well, the Bible says that you could eat anything as long as you pray over it. And I say, well, when you, if you do that, you know, it's like praying over smoke and crack. There's a natural law that governs the human body. The body's a very sophisticated biological organism. It's really a perfect machine, and it knows exactly what to do. And what you leave out is extremely important because... When you leave out the foods that interfere with a healthy physiology, you're making your body a more efficient biological organism. You have a much better chance of not developing some kind of a degenerative disease or some kind of an infectious disease because your body is not a good host. The waste that we create and we store up in our body, which is toxic, creates the environment for bacteria to proliferate. That's why when people, at a certain time of the year, when the temperature drops down, most people start to get sick because... When the temperature drops down, the cold weather actually squeezes the body like a tube of toothpaste, squeezes the endogenous material into the internal environment, creates the environment that is nourishment and food for the bacteria, the pathogenic bacteria that are existing within us, and it starts to proliferate. How the body responds to that is that you'll start to sneeze. You're gonna, your body will respond to the pathogenic bacteria that are in us, after the pathogenic bacteria are existing, and actually, it's actually some, almost like a symbiotic relationship with the human body because it actually serves a purpose. When you reach to the point where there's stabilization again and there's, uh, there isn't enough uh, endogenous material for the bacteria to proliferate, then you recover from the process. That's why a lot of people, you know, you hear the old saying that... Uh, I think it's a starve a cold and feed a fever. Mm-hmm. That's another one of those myths that's not really, uh, um, you know, it's not really true. So in order to detox, when you leave out the foods that um, offend the natural law that govern the human body, then you're freeing the body's remedial capabilities to start to, you know, to cleanse your system, to make you more biologically efficient. And if you go further enough, far enough, and you start to cleanse the lymphatic system, which is like the, the garbage disposal system in your house, your body's going to start to improve its efficiency. Not only will it make you a healthier person, but if you make this a lifestyle, 
you're definitely going to slow down your aging process. I think one of the biggest mistakes we're making is that we're not looking that, at the, the human body as a perfect machine, that it's basic design. A lot of the abstract science out there today is actually distracting us from the simplicity of the miracles that the human body can perform. Well, let's talk about one of those. I want to bring it back, rewind it for a second. So you said endogenous. So just for the listeners, because uh, I remember the first time, because you use the words exogenous and endogenous all the time. Right. And I first heard that when I was 19 years old sitting in your office, and I had no idea what that meant. Yeah, I'm sorry. So, I should have explained it in a simple you know, no, that's what, I, that's what I'm here for. Okay. So, um, so endo- by endogenous wastes, you mean the wastes that are being held inside the body, stuff, that, stuff that's affecting us internally versus exogenous material that's coming in, like if you were to drink a poison or something that's like correct. that, right? And uh, so this <clears throat> idea of people getting sick in the winter, this is sort of like the, um, the Russian bathhouse. You know, it's when you go from hot to cold, so you go in the sauna and you're, you're expanding your body. <clears throat> and then you go into the cold and pool, squeezing. and everything you know, and, all, and the cell structure contracts down. So the um, endogenous material you're talking about that squeezes out of the cells right. into the bloodstream to feed the bacteria is from the contraction of the body. So it's um, it's basically old wastes that are being stored in the cells, and then when you do a treatment like that, and like in the winter, you're going in from a, you know from a, a from a hot home all the home everywhere is heated right and then you go outside and it's cold and the wind like kind of goes down your neck and it, you know and it gives you a little bit of a chill and that's right. actually a therapeutic process right but people think that because they were um exposed to that cold their immune system crashed and they got sick right. or that somebody sneezed on them and now they're going to get well sick. that that that's ab- that's based on abstract science you know that's uh, some of that is still being taught today that's the um you know i think that's that, con- that concept, which is t- taught traditionally, there's a lot of truth in it scientifically, but I think basically that a lot of this, the simplicity of how, what an unbelievable uh, biological organism the human body is, I think a lot of that is kind of, we're being distracted from that purposely because sickness is a multi-billion dollar industry. And if people ever realized that if we gave uh, the human body free reign if we knew what we were doing and gave the human body free reign how to operate at optimal efficiency, we would very rarely ever be sick. Now, that might sound like a preposterous statement, but it's a fact. I mean, that's the way the body really works. I remember this, there was periods where I went through like 30, 35 years ago, I never even had a cold. Once you're aware of um, you know, how the human body works and how the chemistry works, that basically... In, to the most part, that everything is chemical and everything is action-reaction. So when you understand what you have to leave out and you leave it out, the body, in its infinite wisdom, in its chemistry, the science and the biology of how the human body works, the body starts to take reciprocal action based on what you're leaving out, and it starts to improve the internal uh, function of your body where your mind works better, your, 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 everything works better. Once you clean the body up, and you give it half a chance, it all ripples right down to the cell, where the basic premise behind the cell is to supply oxygen and nutrients to the cell. Basically, a lot of people today with the standard American diet and people are eating just random and they're living on fast foods, the end result is that basically what they're doing is they're strangling their body, their cells, on a cellular level where the... Where the uh, the cell is not going to get enough oxygen, enough nutrients. When that happens, 
you start to create internal cellular inflammation, and inflammation is the basic premise where most disease begin on a cellular level. Because they're eating a diet that's um, depositing waste throughout the system? It's not really meant for bi- to be biological efficient. Processed food is like having a key to a lock that you put into a lock. It's not the right key, but it'll fit into the lock. It's not going to open a lock. Processed food and fast food is the main reason why we're getting sick today. And we're, getting, we're living longer, but we're definitely getting sicker. Now, we're living longer because medical heroics. You know, more people are getting bypass surgery, more people are getting stents put into their system, more people are getting, um, uh, you know, kidney transplants. The average person uh, is under the impression that if, you know, if you live to be 70, 80, 90, and you could still dance around the block, that you're some kind of a miracle. No, that's, we were designed to be that way. That's the way we were designed to be. See, processed food is an addiction. It's just like doing a drug. It's a parallel road to substance abuse. Whenever you're doing drugs, right, or the same thing with processed food, it has an effect on the hypothymus gland, which is at the floor of your brain. That addiction, that craving for processed food, is, it's almost as powerful. The hypothymus gland creates the uh, desire to have sex and to eat food. It's the same thing. It's a, these are natural desires that we need to proliferate and to nourish ourselves. But we do not need to eat processed food. Unfortunately, it creates a similar type of addiction where that you want to eat that food all the time. And you're going back, you keep going back to it. And we don't realize what's really happening. And sometimes, you know, it's a real problem with obesity in this country today because there's a lot of people that unfortunately are obese. And they have this tremendous desire to, to experience what their taste buds uh, giving that type of experience. It's extremely pleasurable for people that have problems with processed food, which a lot of people in our society do. It's an extremely pleasurable experience. It lights up the same pleasure centers in the brain than a lot of refined right. drugs. Right, it works through the hypothymus gland. But what happens, it's such a powerful addiction, a lot of people cannot, you know, they can change their, you know, we all know that diets don't work, you know. And there are some diets that help people lose weight, and there are people who use Weight Watchers, and it does... They do keep their weight down, they fluctuate, but eventually that desire, that hidden addiction we have seems to overcome a lot of people. How I approached that, though, I found out, and this is the way I did it, and this is the reason, you know, I honestly believe this is the reason why I have no desire to do anything any different, is that you have to make people realize there's there's a spiritual factor in all this here. And there's a lot of times that you could really you know, we could take this out of our own hands because if you get spiritually grounded in the right way, and a lot of people don't like to hear me say that because they think I'm talking about organized religion. I'm talking about true spirituality. I'm talking about having a personal relationship with our creator. That whatever creator that looks force, like. Whatever that, however you want to look. Oops, however you really want to look at that. To me, that works like a charm. Everybody I can get to apply that, I've had people you know, that were seriously addicted to drugs stop like that. From one day to the next. That happened to me. That's how I ended up in your office. Everything happened right. in five minutes because I had a spiritual awakening when right. I read the autobiography of Malcolm X. And it happens with food, too. Yeah. I see a lot of people that are trying so hard. They're working so hard at it. And what happens is that there's all kinds of, uh, all kinds of triggers, like the, the, the social manifestations. A lot of people say, well, I'm really doing good on my diet. I'm losing weight. I'm starting to feel stronger. I'm not depressed. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not suffering from anxiety. And a lot of people think that's 
exaggeration, that it's poppycock, or it's uh, quackery, that you could help a person that has some problems that are emotional, psychological by changing their diet. Remember, it's all in your body chemistry. If it affects you in one part of your body, it can affect you in another part of your body. I remember some of the things I went through when I was a young guy. I mean, what changing my lifestyle did for me, it was absolutely amazing. I was a dyslexic. I, I told you the story. I got booted out of more schools than most people ever went to in their whole lives. Of course, I couldn't read and I couldn't speak very clearly. Plus, it opened up my mind to give me this ab ability to accumulate knowledge and to remember these things. Fortunately, I, your lifestyle can do unbelievable things based on what you leave, in, what you leave out. Gives, frees your body to, to come to operate you know, not genetically, but epigenetically, where you're turning on epigenetically, different, turning different cells on and different cells off. I've seen it work in my life. I've seen it work in a lot of... I'm sure it's worked in your life. It was... What happened to me when I cleaned up my body chemistry was... was what happened to my, my emotional life, my... Uh, Everything, my spiritual life, the way I engage with the world, it was so incredibly oh, powerful. Yeah, no. It's a miracle. Yeah. It really is. But that's the way we were designed to function. And the key to this, I find, is consistency. So the reason, right. like, you know, I was really addicted to smoking and drinking, and I don't crave that anymore. Why no. don't I crave it anymore? Because I don't dabble in it. When people dabble in it, right. especially with food, which, which seems, oh, which yeah, is a little yeah. more subtle and it's all over the place, that's part of the problem. People don't understand that... Um, that the food does have a drug-like effect in the body. Oh, they think, oh, absolutely. it's just a cookie. What's Processed, the big deal? No. But it pulls their whole chemistry no. gets pulled into this spiral, and then they end up with a lifelong food drama. Right. Yeah. Yeah, listen, Mike, I mean, I, I socialize with a, with a lot of people. I'm an outgoing, gregarious type of person. I have all kinds of friends that I couldn't care less about what you're eating, and I socialize with everybody, you know. And they don't understand what's going on with me. And years ago, people used to think, that I was, you know, they knew me when I was young, and then they saw what happened. They think that, you know, I kind of went off the deep end and everything like that. But I never was the type of guy to try to act like an evangelist or try to, get, try to force people into making certain changes to do certain things. I mean, I do try to, to do that with people that are close to me. I mean, it's pretty hard to have the experience I have and see what can be done and be around people that you develop, you get to like, and you look at them, and you, you see what they're doing, and, you know, I could see clearly that these people are hurting themselves, and they're going to develop serious degenerative diseases. I remember one time I was at, my, at a barbecue with my wife, you know, and some guy had heard about me, he was following me all around, he said, I want to see you eat a hamburger and all that, and I was trying to humor the guy. He didn't understand, he just thought I was fanatically extreme, and I could have picked up a hamburger and ate it and it wouldn't bother me. Then he didn't realize that once you live the way I live and you, make, you do something a little bit different, it's just, you, know, you feel it immediately because your body is so far removed in its chemistry from that. So, and people don't understand that. They think it's neurotic. They think it's extreme. I'm the opposite of that. I just don't. I've, done, I've taken chances in my life to, to find out the truth about certain things that were really risky that I couldn't find out any other way. And, and I, you did that before anybody else had done anything I like that. I've done some of the wildest things that, you know, to find out. Of course, there was books written about, you know, about, about fasting and intercellular pressure. And, you know, I remember once I, I did something that was really dangerous. I didn't realize how dangerous it was. Well, what, are we so, what are we talking about? I mean, the intercellular gas pressures. I didn't realize how dangerous it was 
till after I did it. I mean, it was really dangerous. So what do you mean? But what did you do that was dangerous? Well, it's 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 something I really, I really shouldn't go into. It's about pushing the food through you, where you actually create a vacuum where your body just squeezes everything out very rapidly. Well, this is the art. This is what colonic therapy is about, in a sense, and this is what any clean diet is about. So, but you were doing it at an advanced level. So, well, this is very, very rapid. It's actually exponential. It happens very, very quickly. So, when you eat a clean, when you're eating um, a raw food diet or a clean diet or a plant-based diet, one of the part of the magic is that. There's these electrically charged fibers. You're, inc- you're absorbing waste out of the body, and they're leaving you very quickly. So things aren't stagnating and building and creating pressure, but they're actually creating a reverse pressure through the system. Mm-hmm. When you get a colonic, you get a very rapid release of waste from the core of the body. Mm-hmm. That's why sometimes someone can get up off the colonic table and be feel a little spacey. Busy, or yeah. Usually they feel very good. Sometimes people don't feel well because of what it's unlocked um, biochemically. But That's because they had so much endogenous waste. Yeah, so a it starts to— A lot of endogenous waste, don't forget, there's a, rip, there's a rick, ripple effect. So when you when you you pull a, it's like having a sink, right? You have some dirt in a trap, and the sink is clogged up. You open up the trap, you pull out the trap, and then everything's going to drain out very rapidly from the sink. That's what you're doing when you're doing when you when you're giving the colonic to a degree, and you understand the up and flow of the gases. So some of the stuff, well, the reason why some people get lightheaded and dizzy because you pull the trap out of the sink, and some of the, then the body reacts, everything is chemical, everything is action-reaction, some of the flow is going to come out of the cells, and people are going to get groggy. Or sometimes, how many people that have gotten colonics the next day, they don't feel good because you're opening things up. Right. And I always say, try to oh, explain. I'll never go for a colonic again. They don't realize they should go for another colonic. That's what they should do. Yeah, continue that process. Right. It's, your, it's the, the, one of the, the most valuable quotes I have ever got from you was, um, don't try to cure the cure. Right. So people don't understand what the curing process is. Right. We, we automatically think, I don't feel good. We got to stop this. But sometimes it needs to be invited a little bit right. because you need to go through that, through that it process. It has to be assisted, you know. So you were doing something that was like next level to that where you were creating a vacuum through your system so strong that you well, were operating I, you know at a low happened? gas I pressure. Had a, I mean, I knew it was a miraculous thing. I knew it was miraculous. It took me about... It took me, must have took me 10 years to fully understand what a miracle really was. And, uh, I mean, what it did for me, I, had, I actually had to back off because I have to be very careful what I do in my own life. Otherwise, because it always wants me to, mo- me to move further ahead, which I, I can't do. I could actually move further ahead. Even you mean your the, body's chemistry wants you to, right, to, to get I, cleaner and cleaner? Well, it's, I, I, I got to be careful because from what I did when I was doing that, it took me to, into a an emotional, psychological state that my wife pleaded with me to stop because things, would hap- things were happening to me that was kind of, uh, it was amazing, but it was, it was a little disturbing for her because she just didn't, first of all, it kept me very, very thin, but it had me be able, I could perceive and interpret certain things very rapidly. I still could do that. If somebody, that's why I respond well to questions because it kind of opens up Get, opens up something that's taken place that I developed by doing that. So wait, so you were very thin, and then you were having what? Some type of advanced... Um, Perception, and how you apply and logic, and almost preconceiving something, and, you know, you can make so you, extremely much more intuitive. It's like, it sharpens your senses. It's like, a, it's like looking at a dog, you know? A dog's first sense of communication is its smell. We should have a much more powerful sense of smell. Well, what happened when I did that, it, my, it gave my sense of smell. I mean, I don't want to be vulgar, but my, when somebody walked into the room, 
it was a female or a male, I could tell the difference. I could tell the difference. My wife didn't believe that, so I showed her that it could be done. So there's things you could do. And I knew who walked into the room that are people that I was familiar with. This much. I don't know if I should go into talking about this. This sounds like wild stuff. I could tell who it was by, by recognizing the odor. Now, I, don't, I can't do that now. Because when you were doing what I was doing there, it was absolutely unbelievable. I don't discuss, I don't know why I'm even discussing this. I usually don't discuss this. I know, I think it's you. I know you don't. I don't I, discuss I think I it you because, in. you know, people are, are going to misunderstand what I'm saying here. They're going to think it's some form of hallucination, but it is definitely not, you know. This whole podcast came to be because I called you on your 86th birthday, which was about two weeks ago. Uh-huh. And I said, how you doing? You know, and you said, I just got back from physical therapy. Uh, I've been hitting the weights really hard lately. Yeah. <laughs> you, look, right. you look better now than you did five years ago. Well, I don't know about that. No, I mean, you I, do. I'm telling right, you, you thank do. Thank you. I appreciate that. But listen, and don't forget, I always got a lot of stress in my life. Always. There's always something going on. Who's dying? Who's sick? Plus, I got family things I deal with, my family, you know. And I'm the type of guy, I can't get it through my thick head that I don't have to try to carry everybody else's burdens, you know. I look, sometimes I look at people, I see, see certain things going on, I say, maybe I should tell them. I got to learn to, that, you know, a lot of people don't want to know what you're seeing, what's going on. As I said, at the time I was at that barbecue, that guy started to bother me. And he says, oh, I want to see you eat a hamburger and all that type of stuff. I looked at the guy. I knew that guy was in trouble. And my wife said, don't let him, don't let him get you mad. Don't get that. Because my wife knows that if somebody pushes me enough, I could get a little aggravated, you know. She said, no, he's not bothering me. It's all. I said, but I'll tell you something about it. He's in trouble. You better tell your girlfriend. It was a girlfriend's father. You better take him to the hot. You better take him to see a doctor. Uh, what did you see in him? Well, he had cancer. He was dead six months later. I knew the guy was a sick guy. You can tell just by looking at him. Well, I know the guy. I know things weren't working right with him. That's all. That's not that hard to do. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be. A, you know, it's not rocket science. The human body is designed to live a certain way. It's not designed to eat processed food. Everything that works is based on the concept of what you leave out. When you do a juice cleanse, you're leaving out everything. You're just getting the uh, the, the, the enzymes, the vitamins and minerals that come from the juice. You're giving the body the vital force to carry out this cleanse. It ain't like you're doing a water fast. You leave everything out. The body goes straight to the endogenous waste where you have, you know, real discomfort or even some risk to some degree, you know. So today it's being made simple. And, of course, the uh, the computer's loaded with, uh, you know, nutritionists and health coaches that are uh, encouraging people to do uh, similar things. But every lifestyle, every diet, anything that works is based on the concept of leaving uh, what you leave out, whether you know it or not. People are talking about all different diets, the paleo diet. Well, you forget about all the diets I've seen in the last 60 years, you know, from the pineapple diet to the outer Mongolian diet, whatever. So let me ask you this, because I wanted to start this talking about athletics, uh, actually. I was going to theme this podcast uh, um, around athletics because of the fact that I called you on your birthday and you said that you've been hitting the weights really hard and you have a history of, of athleticism. Right. Uh, that seemed, it, it's really interesting. The, um, the cleansing part of the health food world is sort of taken a, uh, you know, a back burner now mm-hmm. and the animal rights part is sort of uh, taking a back burner and the fitness part is huge. Right. That's, that's the big part about vegetarianism, veganism, eating a healthy diet. And now the whole paleo thing is, has jumped in there. Uh, and I know you're doing work with athletes now because you're about to partner up with Spartan Race uh, mm-hmm. in, in some way. Right. And uh, 
I saw the the recipes that they um, that they were asking you to review and stuff like that, and I was and I could see the conflict. I could see the quality is getting better, but I could see the the conflict in the food chemistry. And I look through everything through the lens of my colonic therapy uh, uh, practice. So, um, what is the perfect fuel then for high performing athletes? Or even not high-performing athletes, but somebody that is trying to be a high-performing athlete, or someone that's trying to maximize the, maximize their athletic potential. I don't just mean professionals, but I mean what's the you know because we had talked about uh, you said biological aging, and a lot of the diets that are being um, prescribed now for um, building strength, building muscle, and increasing athletic performance. Uh, seem to not be the best diets for longevity. So what would you recommend they for aren't. people to have? They aren't, you know what I mean? So if we, when you take somebody that's a, a weightlifter, you know, there's different types of weight training. A lot of people now are training strictly. They're, they're training. They're either training for fitness where they're using light weights and they're, you know, jumping up on boxes and using kettlebells and... Uh, CrossFit. And, yeah, CrossFit and all those type of things. And, you know, they want to have a sculpted physique and have a six-pack and all that type of stuff. And usually cases like that. In the majority of cases, the, a lot of the trainers in gym are recommending uh, high-protein diets where the, the amount of uh, protein in their diet is higher than, than no, normally that I believe to be healthy to, to live t- for, for longevity. Because when you're eating more protein and eating less carbs, protein and the fat that comes along in animal protein, and basically what they're talking about is animal protein. Mostly, yeah. But some vegans are into, into yeah, high-protein diets too now. What, yeah. that, that's a little bit different, though. You can do the same thing, but even the vegan proteins, right, and you eat an animal protein, first of all, animal protein is uh, 68% nitrogenous metabolites, 68% waste, nitrogenous waste. That means your body has to get rid of it. That takes energy. That takes a certain amount of caloric energy to get rid of it. But if somebody's a vegan and they're using vegan protein, it's not 68% uh, nitrogenous waste. I don't remember the exact figure. I think it's about 18%, and it depends upon what it's from. Because the nitrogenous waste, a lot of it is the waste that the animal that you're eating, consuming, was trying to get rid of. Because you're, you're basically eating all the uh, um, the waste that would have filtered out through its body, but they're right. still trapped up in the cell structure well, of the muscle. Well, you're That's why a lot of people have gout, you know. Yeah. So you don't get you don't get gout from eating protein from a vegetarian source. You're not going to get gout from eating, uh, you know, nuts or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might have purines, might have something to do with it from beans. But what happens is that when you're eating a diet like that that's high in animal protein, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, like come along with the diet, like the paleo diet, is, I think the recommended amount of protein is 16, uh, 19 to 30% is what they generally recommend. When you get that much protein, what it does, you're actually, uh, and you're not eating a lot of uh, of, uh, of uh, Sugars, like now with the, with the paleo diet, they recommend you eat fruit. But years before that, they recommend that you didn't even eat fruit, that was right. vegetables. And what happens, that you're going into a ketogenic diet, you're going into producing ketones, of course, you're burning, you're utilizing body fat. You're burning body fat. You're burning off, that's why you look so muscular. You have a six-pack. Now, <clears throat> is it effective? When you're eating more protein and you're, def- and you're eating a high-protein diet and you're using, uh, exercising with the weights and you're using heavy resistance, the ultimate, the reason why people are doing that is to have a huge physique, 18, 19-inch arms, be muscular, have a six-pack, 
you know, have uh, 29, 30-inch legs. So but, it, it encourages muscle growth the, for the right. protein, and it's a poor source of fuel. So um, you're burning your own body fat because you're not because your body's actually not getting the carbohydrates that it well, would in the carbohydrate Well, it's not enough diet. if you're training yeah. heavy, because when you're training heavy and you're training hard, you need a certain amount of fuel. If, you don't, if your body runs out of fuel, you don't, you're not going to have a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. I found out that years ago when I first started eating a raw diet. I was, I was doing a lot of running, a lot of training, and I, I couldn't run up to my, I couldn't believe it, I couldn't run up to my p- potential until I started eating a lot more fruit. And then I would buzz me right off. You know, I actually found out a little later than I wanted to because I was really competitive as a runner. I wanted to be, but I wasn't able to be as competitive as I, I could have been. But the same thing with the weights. When, you, you know, when, you, when you're training very, very heavy, you only need about 10 to 12% more protein. What you need is more, more calories, too. So, see, people get lost in the maze. If you're a marathon runner... By eating a lot more protein like a bodybuilder, it's not going to make you a more efficient, you know, marathon right. different runner. Different types of athleticism, right. different type. If you're a marathon runner, you're not going to need more protein. You're only going to need a little bit more protein, but you're going to need more fuel. You're going to need more gasoline. You know, it's like driving a car long distances. You need more gasoline when you're driving a car long distances. So if you're a marathon runner and you're training 80 miles a week, you need more carbohydrates. You know, what are you going to get it from starches? You know, starches, <clears throat> you can do it with starches if you're into being a vegan. Or you want you some water here, Fred? No. You, no. you can do it with starches or you can do it with sugars. So there was people in, you know, like the Peruvians, you know, hundreds of years ago, they ate a starch-based diet. If they didn't eat the starches and they weren't eating the fruit, their enemies would have come in you know, kill them and rape their women because they wouldn't have the strength or the energy to defend themselves. That's what happens a lot in history. If you look back in history, the Romans, there's certain things, certain cultures, ate certain foods to keep them strong so they could defend, protect their homeland, and protect their women. So people do not... We have to look at the basic biological function of the human body. Now, is having 20-inch arms, being able to bench press 500 pounds, and to do the things you have to do with your diet to, uh, to achieve that goal. If that's your goal, that's the best way to do it. You're not going to have 18, 20-inch arms on a raw food diet. It's not going to happen. When you're eating a raw food diet, you can eat, you can eat tremendous amounts of weight, food. You're not really going to gain that much weight. You're just going to be overeating and put yourself to sleep. Or have to work harder at night when you're on self-dialysis. When you're sleeping at night, you're on self-dialysis. So the, op- the answer to this question is really is to, if you want to be an athlete, right? If you want to be a weightlifter, you have to make certain adjustments, and you could still be on a, a very healthy diet. If you want to be an endurance athlete, you have to make certain adjustments. But what I have come to the conclusion, after many years ago when I was a young guy, knocking myself out, training like a, an animal, a wild man, and training for hours and running extremely long distances, it was all... Ridiculous. It wasn't, had nothing to do with becoming a healthy person. It actually, it actually caused you know, free radical damage. It actually can cause your body to break down. That's why a lot of people that ran ultramarathon distance and everything, they trained so hard, they were unbelievable athletes. As they got older, they had trouble walking. They damaged their joints and everything like that. And that happened to me. I ran through a marathon once where it was below zero. I got frostbite, my ear cracked open, I had all kinds of problems. 
Luckily, I was on this type of diet because I probably wouldn't have recovered that well. I would have had frostbite whenever the temperature dropped down. That was uh, that was the marathon where it was. I don't remember the temperature, but uh, you were you were actually running the marathon, but you were pushing someone in a wheelchair. No, too, no, right? that was something else. That oh, was in oh, New York. Okay. Now this was the prevention marathon in Pennsylvania, where they they had a blizzard and they should have called it off. So I called the guy up the night before because I rented a a motel. He says, No, no, we're plowing the roads. The storm is going to be over. Come on down. Well, the storm wasn't over. There was a blizzard going on with people running. They had to cut people off and send them to the hospital. And me being a it was ridiculous what I did. I mean, I suffered the consequences of doing it. And, uh, you know, it's really, you know. The point I'm trying to make is that when you train, you know, you know, if you're an elite athlete and you're doing all these super uh, Herculean uh, events, it's extremely important that you understand that you have to nourish your body correctly so you can do this and recuperate and not damage yourself. Because what a lot of these people are doing, they're not they're stimulating themselves. They're walking around with a cup of coffee constantly. They're eating a lot of processed food that will give you a quick, fast, you know. Bulletproof coffee is really popular now, putting butter or coconut oil into yeah, a cup yeah. of coffee. Right. Um, from a colonic perspective, the protein diet is horrible. Yeah, yeah. You know, it needs to be balanced out completely. And, and for some reason, all of my friends that are really stacked that are you know bodybuilders or it's not even um not even bodybuilders but just like kind of crossfit uh mm-hmm. type of people they always end up with colitis some type of ulcerative colitis and when you if you do a colonic well, on someone like so that it's horrible down there yeah the formation turns into ulceration what it, happens it, if the food isn't if it isn't getting when you're eating a lot of animal protein if you, it's it's not going to pass through you as quick unless you're eating a tremendous amount of fibrous vegetables it has to get through you quickly if the transit time of your fecal material is extremely important, if it's laying around inside you, it's going to cause, you know, inf- fermentation, inflammation, you know, ulceration. You're going to have a problem. Yeah, I see it all the time. Right. So, uh, I mean, and there's no question that a banana smoothie with some spinach and an apple in it is just going to drop right out of the body and not leave any residue behind. But so what you're saying, though, is it all depends on what the goals of the athlete are then. If you're trying to stack weight, you're going to have to eat more protein. Plant protein is better, but make sure you're balancing even that out with lots of vegetables to make sure it's not causing inflammation and stagnating in the intestine. But a starch-based diet is probably not going to put any weight on you, but might be good for endurance athletes. Well, you can, you, with a starch-based diet, if you combine the starches with the vegetables, uh, you, can, you, can be, you could be built like a gymnast. You could do, what, you could do well with it. Mm-hmm. You could do that. There's, see, if there's, always, there's different camps... I'm not a dogmatic person, so everybody puts all their, you know, uh, all the value in what they've been doing, what they've experienced. Like you, when you talk to a raw fooder, they, you know, the, the, some people that are truly 100% raw, they don't think there's anything else to do, you know. And there's other people that are reading a diet where they're including a lot of fruit. They think that there's no other way you could do it with starches, or there's no other, there's no other way to accomplish to be reasonably you'll be in good health unless you're doing it the one specific way that they've experienced. Now, I've seen plenty of people that eat some clean animal protein, right, clean, organically grown in moderation in a plant-based diet, and they did very well. Is that the, the way to go if you have a serious disease like cancer? No, I don't think so, in my opinion. But the thing is, everybody's, you know, everybody's arguing about their approach, their interpretation, the way they're looking at it, not not looking at the body, the natural or the way the human body is designed. 
The human body has the ability to adjust in, to a reasonable amount. When you're leaving out all the, the processed food, it has the ability to adjust outside the optimal diet. I won't get into what I think the optimal diet is because then I'm gonna, just going to be creating, um, you know, more, you know, confusion. Of you. Well, let, let me say this, and you, this is the definition that I've that I've given to food. So when somebody, because, you know, we're all at different levels and different places and there's transitions necessary and everybody has different goals. So when somebody asks me, should I eat this? Is this good for me? How does, you know, what, what is it? What's the right food to eat? This is the definition. You tell me if you like this definition. There are three things that qualify um, a food as a health food or not, whether or not it's going to serve your body or not. The first part is everything that every book on health is written about, which is probably the smallest part of the equation, and that's what a food delivers. So we want the phytonutrients and the enzymes and the trace minerals and the blah, 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 and all those little things, right? So we want to get nutrient-dense food. The next part is um, food as a cleanser. So food, what a food removes. So when you're looking at a food, trying to figure out if it's going to serve you or not, you want to know if that food is actually going to remove you know, waste out of your system. Not only the chemical waste that we have now, but the metabolic waste that we build up, all the dead cells and dead bacteria in the intestine and everything like that. Right. And the other part is the flip side of that, and that's what a food doesn't leave behind. So the difference between a cheeseburger and an apple, well, there are a few differences, but one of the major differences is that a cheeseburger might deliver something into your system, but it removes nothing and it leaves a trail of sludge behind where an apple will actually exactly. go in, deliver its nutrients, leave nothing behind and pull waste out with it. So you always want to look. So I always say, look at, look at a food choice or a meal or a plate of food with that criteria. You know, is the food going to re- re- retain waste in your body or is it going to release waste out of your system well, and that'll let you know if you should eat it a high protein diet and you're not getting enough you know enough of a plant-based diet because we have to look at what the fiber actually does that's why a lot of medical people recommend that you take a couple of tablespoons of fiber because it grabs everything up and, you know it pushes everything through like a broom so i, I think you're 100 percent right myself yeah, so that's a great way to i think for people to look at a yeah. meal and if and what i tell people that eat animal protein is just that that doesn't quite meet that criteria. So as long as you get the nutrient-dense part of it you know, right and you're getting quality food, you need to make 80% or 95% of your diet all food that meets well, the three you criteria. To, you, you need, need to balance like it out. You just described to push it through. Yeah. You need something, some rotor-rooter effect to push it through. Yeah, to carry it right through. Otherwise, if it just lays in there, then you're talking about accelerated aging. Or Listen, my observation over all the years and... Many, many years ago, I, was old, I watched a lot of old-time strongmen. A lot of the old-time strongmen, uh, by coincidence or by choice, I don't really know, they were butchers, you know, like Carl Schwaboda and Louis, Louis St. Cyr. They were the strongest men in the world. I mean, they were guys that weighed 350 pounds, and I think uh, Louis St. Cyr did a backlift of 550 pounds. You know, you get under like a, a trestle right, and you right. pick it up, you know. But they were all butchers. But, by know, trade, they were butchers. They were butchers by trade. I used to wonder whether they... They ate so much food, they got into being a butcher because they wanted to eat so much meat it, was, it would be available, or that was a coincidence that they ate a lot of meat and they ended up being strong. They were huge guys, but they were all huge, 350 pounds, even bigger, six foot three, but they all died young. Mm-hmm. Louis St. Cyr died when he was 56, Carl Schwaboda, and then I remember a lot of old-time strongmen like uh, uh, George Hackenschmidt, the Russian lion, who was... Uh, Unbelievable guy, a Russian guy. He was a, a, a wrestling champion and a strong man. He had an unbelievable physique. That, you know, he got, he, those people had the type of physiques that they were not exaggerated. They were classical. 
When it comes to symmetry, they had classical physiques. They had almost perfect development. They had perfect calves. The size of their calves almost were identical to the size of their, their biceps. That's like a classical, symmetrical con- perception of what it was supposed to be. Well, he was, in, he was in his late 80s when he changed his diet to a vegan diet. Why did he do that? Otto Arco, another guy, an all-time strong, strong man. Sandow, another all-time strong man that had a classical physique. They, they became to, vegans. Well, they, they, they stopped eating so much animal protein, and they, or they didn't, might not have given it up completely, but I remember many of those people that I used to, you know, I used to be very interested in history and that type of stuff. Because, you know, it's, uh, it, you know, it caught my attention. I was fascinated. That's why I did so much self-experimentation. When I was working out with the weights, I developed, because of all this thinking about it, I developed my own system of training, which was like the overload, overload method of training. I dug a hole in the garage. I used to stand in, in the pit, stand in the pit to do deadlift, standing in the pit. So I was using because I could use unbelievably heavy weights, so just, just take weights off a rack and just move it a little bit, like six, 700 pounds. Could, you could move it. You get so strong. Then when you go to... I wasn't into bodybuilding. I was into Olympic-style Olympic lifting. So you had to develop speed and you had to develop strength. You know, with the strength without the speed, you couldn't be a good Olympic-type lifter. The speed without the strength, you couldn't support what you could get up in the air. So it was mm-hmm. it's totally different. But then I come to realize that if you were properly trained, that if you did the overload system and you worked out extremely hard to exhaustion and then you, you waited a whole week, you made tremendous gains. See, if you did that and you stimulated yourself, you're not gonna, you're gonna get injured. That's why when I was a kid, I never got injured. Lifting extremely heavy weights, I never got hurt. So you were working out once a week? No, when I did the overload system, I used to work out once a week. Yeah, because wow. you couldn't overload. See, you're overloading. Yeah. You know, when you overload, and then there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, you're bringing in a lot of nerve energy. Like when you, when you used to go, you, know, you could actually bring in, when you're going to attempt a heavy lift, I don't know how it is now, I don't really know, but if you were attempting a heavy lift and somebody was, what I would do is that you would breathe, do a lot of forceful breathing, because when you're forceful breathing, you're doing, when you're going, and you do that a lot, your, your body starts to secrete adrenaline because your body interprets that as that you're going into some kind of a fight or flight response. So it made you strong. I knew it made me stronger when I did it, so I used to start to do it. So breathing is extremely important. The opposite effect is taking place when you're doing a martial arts where, you, when it, well, you're into, a lot of people are into yoga and uh, into the martial arts where... You're controlling your breathing, you know, you're doing diaphragmatic breathing, you're affecting your body on a cellular level. When you were lifting weights, it was the opposite. You were actually doing something else. You were actually stimulating, giving yourself immediate stimulation, secreting, releasing a certain amount of adrenaline so you would be stronger. You were the, like into fight, you definitely were stronger. I remember there was times when if I didn't do that, there were lifts that were right up near the best I could do. I couldn't make them. But if I did that, I would step back and rest, close my eyes, focus. Then I would start breathe, relax. Then I would get up there, start puffing away like a steam engine. Boom, I would make that lift. It made wow. that much of a difference. And what were, you, what, what were you doing in the pit? You had a pit? Why? No. So you couldn't drop the weight? No, or? no. If you were doing deadlifts, you're standing. If you're doing deadlifts, right? Mm-hmm. And 
You're standing, you're doing deadlifts off the ground. A lot of people hunch their back and they bend over to do a deadlift. That's the wrong way to do it. Because oh. what you're doing, you're, you're putting stress right on the middle of your back. So what you do is you arch your back. Mm-hmm. You're actually pointing your behind, your butt. You have to stick it way out. So, and then you squat down you t- and you lock in the muscles in your back. You're not going to get hurt. I see. So You'll what, be able to come up. At your like knee That's level what, or something like that. That's why you were in the pit. So I was in the pit at right. knee level, and I was wow. shooting a couple hundred pounds more than I would do. And 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 the thing is, see, that's where your mind is so important. You have you breathe right. If you were saying, "I don't think I can," I don't know if I could make this. That's when you used to get hurt. The mind would bring into bring into play more quick twitch muscles. You wouldn't get hurt. You know, you could actually do things. You could actually come to a standstill where you couldn't do it. You were bringing all the quick twitch muscles. You were bringing everything into play. Even though you couldn't do it, you gave a maximum effort, you, you didn't get hurt. You had to put the weight down. See, how, that's why I figured that out my, in you know, my own training. How long was your workout session that you were doing it just once a when week? I used to, there yeah. was top, before I did that? No, no, when you were doing that. Like, what were you, you oh, had, no, before I do that, I used to work out like three times a week. I used to follow... Uh, Overall body routine. When I started doing that, yeah. it was like between four and a half and five hours. Oh, so you were working out for four and a half to five right. hours. You had to work out. You worked out to actually little exhaustion. Wow. With heavy weights. Then, you know, I used to know when to stop. Then you would rest the whole week. You wouldn't work out for a whole week. Give your body to recuperate from, recuperate from being so extreme. Wow. And you would see gains from that, huh? Oh. Yeah. Fastest way to get stronger. Amazing. I didn't, I didn't I know that. Try, nobody should try that unless you, you know what you're doing and you, 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 know, you did all the pre-training so you don't get hurt. You don't want to do that if you're just starting out working out with the weights. You're going to cripple yourself. Well, I did hear that. I heard that it's, it's better to have a longer recovery time these days. Like there's some sci- yeah. you know, the science is catching up to that now. Listen, yeah. overtraining in anything you're doing is a mistake. Yeah. You'll pay, you'll pay for it later. I don't care what it is. It's no good. Uh, tell me what you're doing for Spartan Race. Oh, uh, well, uh, you know, we, we're working with the Spartan Race Group. I'm their uh, consultant nutritionist. We're not going to be the person that makes uh, the decisions for them when it comes to anything about nutrition. We're going to have, uh, you know, they have a website, and it's going to be connected to our website. They're going to be doing, uh, I think, either radio shows or television shows where I'll be, uh, you know, be able to, you know, to uh, present some of my, uh, you know, my experience and what I've done to, uh, you know, to help some of the elite athletes. They have unbelievably elite athletes that are doing unbelievable things, you know. So, um, you know, I think it's very important to, uh, for some of these uh, athletes that are ex-Olympians and doing these uh, Herculean uh, endurance events that they have to be made aware that sometimes that you have to make sure you're taking better care of the machinery, your body, because when they get older, they might have problems that they don't necessarily have to uh, have if they're, you know, rather than just stimulate themselves, make sure they're getting everything they need, all the nutrients that they need, and getting a rest, recovery, drinking, you know, um, enough water, and doing all the, all the things that we were just talking about to realize that the body is governed by natural law, and for every amount of exertion, there should be a reciprocal, reciprocal amount of uh, you know, recoup. You have to recuperate. You don't want to instead of recuperate. You don't want to stimulate because when you stimulate in place of recuperation, then that's where your body is going to 
you know, start to have injuries break down or start to age, you know. And the, the, the magical piece to that, the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is it's not just about getting the healing qualities from the foods, but it's about what's happening at night when you're sleeping. So if you if you run if you're if you're really working your body and you're doing a lot of wear and tear, you're going to have to recover deeply throughout the night. But if you eat too late at night, or if you're eating food that's generating a lot of waste in your system, you never your body's never going to get to the cellular repair from the workout that you're doing. So you kind of then you're drinking bulletproof coffee in the morning just to feel good and get to your next well, workout. Well, that's what's happening. Yeah. You know, you're trying to drink what you call bulletproof coffee. I never heard that term, but that's really applies very well. You have to remember your body. Your body. We have a body clock and. That, the body clock is dictated by circadian rhythms. So the circadian rhythms is really a, can has a, is a big factor in our metabolic process. So when you eat late at night, you eat 11 o'clock at night and you go to bed, your body, you're just messing up, you're messing up you know, your, your body clock and the circadian rhythms. Because when you go to sleep at night and you go into REM sleep, what you have, you're really on a self-dialysis process. Your body is actually metabolically trying to you know, to go through this whole process to restore your body, recover from the day's exertion, physical and mental, to clean up your body from the, the food that you ate. So you actually, by the time you wake up in the morning, your body, your, your system is supposed to be clean. You're supposed to clean up the mess that we made the day before. Some people, as you know, as a colon hypotherapist, they spend their whole life, they never really clean up, they never go through that process. Right. They never go through that process. That's why people... That, you know, once you understand fasting, you know, going without food, what it really means, and why you shouldn't eat late at night, and that you give yourself plenty of time to actually fast and break the fast in the morning. When you break the fast, breakfast, you're actually supposed to be breaking the fast where your system has been able to, you know, relatively clean itself up. And if you're doing this properly, you wake up in the morning, your system... After you have a bowel movement, which you should have as soon as you get up, you should go right into the bathroom and la la la, and it's all over. You should be able, you should feel supercharged. You know, you you really shouldn't have to eat breakfast to give you energy because you ate everything you ate yesterday, and your body's been empty out, right? So you're not spending any energy. When people eat a breakfast, especially a high protein breakfast, sure it makes you feel good because you're stimulating yourself, and they think, oh, you're keeping your your blood sugar up. You're not keeping your blood sugar up. That's detox they're experiencing. Once you're clean, you don't experience detox. And when you wake up, you feel vibrant, ready to go, and you have all this energy from yesterday. You don't have to eat, you know, to have energy. You got energy from yesterday's food, and you don't have to divide your energy to, to expend the energy to digest your breakfast. That's ridiculous. Yeah, hunger in the morning is the biggest challenge, especially with athletes, because they want to eat protein first thing in the morning. And people say, well, I got all this gas, and I got all this... You know, yeah, but they, they, and then they come in, and I yeah. say, okay, I want you to skip breakfast in the morning and just drink water. And they're like, oh, I don't feel good. I need to... You know, well, I just, don't feel good because they're detoxing. Yeah, I used to be the same way. I used to wake up and think about food all the time. But like, what time is it now? It's almost, uh, it's, uh, almost 1 o'clock, and I, I don't think anybody here has eaten any food. I actually forgot to put the grapes out that I bought on my yeah. way over here. So <laughs> Rory's like, where are my grapes? Um, so I forgot to put food out, but we feel fine and we're functioning and we don't have headaches and we're not dying. No. Um, but it's a process you have to go through. That's well, a challenging you have, you part. have to have somebody show you the process because the, the, the process is actually contradictory to the, to the logic we've developed based on the wrong system. We got the wrong formula, you know, 
Well, one and one is two. It's not eleven. We're thinking one and one is eleven. Somebody well, had to show you that one and one is two. Well, you're going to straighten that out for the folks at Spartan Race, yeah? <laughs> I don't know whether they're going to put me in the cage or they're going to listen to me, you know? No, they're going to listen. It's going to be good. It's going to be good stuff. Um, I'm, let's wrap it up here because okay. I did notice it is almost 1 o'clock. And I know All we right. have a schedule and we're going out to, uh, for, to celebrate your birthday today. So oh, okay. uh, even right. though we're a couple of weeks behind. So uh, right. thank you for coming onto the podcast again. People My are going pleasure. to be really excited when this comes out. Um, all the listeners, please go to everydaydetox.org, pick up an ebook, uh, sign on to the newsletter, find out when we're going to get, um, when uh, we're going to be launching the new space. Uh, so that's going to be uh, announced through the newsletter and uh, maybe at the end of this podcast. I don't know uh, if we have a address yet. But anyway, thank you for coming over. What's, uh, what's the, new, um, the new URL now for your website? Uh, oh, yourhealthyjourney.org. Excellent. So, you can find Dr. Bishy, yourhealthyjourney.org. And uh, thanks so much. Oh, it was a pleasure. A lot of fun. It's always a lot yeah. of fun. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Mike.